Welcome back, FanCast fans. This is Brandon. And Rebecca. And today we've got the second part of our X-Bar special. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, make sure you go back and do that, because it won't make any damn sense. So uh, we hope you're having a good X-Bar season, even if you're just surviving. So enjoy. It is a period of civil discourse. Fans of the Mission to Zix podcast have banded together to devote even more time to the Mission to Zix podcast by talking about it in a long-format fan podcast. This is the Zix Fancast. Episode uh, 108, Gert Milk. Mm. So, uh, we start off with it being Bargy's birthday. Uh, yeah. The crew is sent to Milch to meet with its governor about a resource they want to trade. Uh, they can't meet the governor, but they run into an infamous bounty hunter called Peter Three. He's contracted to kill the governor. Uh, after talking with him, they're less than impressed with his bounty hunting, as it seems it's mostly clerical work. Uh, the governor dies of what seems to be natural causes. The crew speaks <laughs> to the new governor instead, and they learn that the resource was ice. <laughs> it wasn't a code word, it was actually ice. Actually frozen water. Yeah. <laughs> frozen yeah. water. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. the uh, So one thing that really stood out about this episode is that assassination is legal, sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah. I, I if love you that file idea. all the paperwork yeah. yeah and give them the choice of dying of natural causes <laughs> or, or <they> get milk. <laughs> yeah uh that's that's so i i feel like no one is as good at de-heightening as zach cherry like he's so funny uh and he's so good at being like this thing you think it's actually a dumber thing than that <laughs> um, <laughs> like whatever choice you think i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a slightly more mediocre lame take like, he's like yeah, every totally single yeah he starts out as being such a badass and by the end it's like it's like well yeah one of the choices is dying of natural death i've never failed at a mission so i let this guy die <laughs> uh natural causes it's uh, it's just so funny um and uh, did either of you guys hear the live uh episode that he did the follow-up to that one yes which which one was that again it was the season two fin- uh season two premiere show we had uh, did a live show with Zach, um, returning as Peter Three. Uh, oh no! But uh, we're we're going to be releasing that one on Patreon, and it's it's so funny and dumb. Um, but yeah, he 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 came back and played the same character, but with a totally different, like a totally different plot, and it's just so so funny. I was going to say the bartender is the most recurring character from this episode. <laughs> I think that's true. I think we've seen the bartender more than almost anyone, any other <laughs> non like actual main character. Theoretically, we meet his son at some point as well. Yes, that, that might be... Is it his son? The bartender's son? I don't son? think it's actually established that it's his son, but I think it's heavily implied. <laughs> I think the idea is that every bartender in the universe is... In the galaxy is the same species, and they all look and sound exactly <laughs> the same. But I don't know if they're oh, related. Perfect. They're just the same the same species. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess There's... the old Clint facility could be making bartender clones. It, it hmm. did or something. Oh, wow. Know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, uh, <laughs> the, the orange beer oh, gag... Man coming back so many times yeah yeah didn't you run out of orange beer at the live show we legitimately actually did yes we actually, <laughs> the, the bar actually had orange beer and actually ran out 
before right before the show. That's wonderful. It's oh, <sighs> truly. Magical. Did you get any? Nope. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> Sadly, no. But yeah. The <laughs> All right. So I guess keep it keeping things moving. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, one of my favorite episodes, uh, 109, this juckin' guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, all right. B69420. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, oh, I wanted him Perfect. to come back so bad. Like, Oof. somehow, I'm like, how do we make... Anyways. Uh, Plex suggests buying guns, but is interrupted by Bargy's monthly cleaning cycle. C gets water damage during it. Plex tries to fix it, but makes it way worse. Uh, they t- take him to a droid repair shop where they're upsold a lifter-slash-weapon droid, B69420. Uh, he then prank calls both Nermit and the Council of Seven, then spikes Bargy with dust and gets them to play Dravian Roulette, where he shoots himself in the cube. And then his disassembled parts <laughs> are shot into space in a, in a moving ceremony. Mm. But they keep the gun. As spare droid parts. Yep. <laughs> yep. Go adhere to those rules. Yeah. Well, this cleaning cycle, I mean... How... <laughs> how, how do they... How did they avoid it up to this point, and how do they avoid it in the future? Do they just, like, have umbrellas dotted around, ready to stick over sea, or...? Yeah, I mean, I, I've imagined that it's uh, it's sort of like when your phone updates your Gmail app, <laughs> where you're sort of like, you wake up one morning and you're like, oh, it's different now. Like, it happened overnight, or it happened while I was doing something else. Okay. Um, I think it, usually it happens, I think, monthly, she says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think it happens usually while they're on a mission or at night or something. They just happen oh, all being in, in the lounge when it was happening. But it happens regardless. <laughs> that's fair. And this just happened to coincide. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's also like there's a the uh, <laughs> I like how <laughs> Nerman establishes that it's like Ill- illegal, like that it was the, her series of ship was recalled because of their because of I the know it's tox- like toxicity of the cleaning cycle, but that somehow she's still getting the like the detergent and stuff that's all toxic. <laughs> like it's like if a car like only you used leaded gasoline and like. They still, they still just make leaded gasoline for this one model. I feel like <laughs> it's more it, like, kills to, like, everyone. Whale oil or something right. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If whale oil killed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely taking. It's definitely taking years off of Plex life to be have that soap on him for sure. <laughs> uh, um, so that's uh, the the thing about that that episode uh, with the cleaning thing. Uh, I forget what it was. I think Plex says something about how it's really painful or something and um seth had a problem with that in the edit he was like is it weird like are we gonna feel bad that like pleck is like burned by this i was like i don't think so (laughs) but it reminds me of that moment in in um uh in futurama where uh they have the x-ray flashlight you guys Mm. futurama fans there's an episode there's an episode where (laughs) there's an episode where bender has a x-ray flashlight because they're looking for like a winning bottle cap yeah and um Bender points it at uh, Fry's crotch, and he turns it on, and Fry goes, "Ow, my sperm!" <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then he points it at him again, and he hits, and he hits it again. And he goes, "Huh, didn't hurt that time." <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's totally sterile for the rest of the time. It's like such a funny, like understated joke. Like, yeah. oh man, you, you just totally, you just totally ruined the Fry bloodline just then. 
Oof. It just ended the ended the genetic sequence of of the Fry family, and they never comment on but it. As long, really I funny. guess as long as you just never comment on it, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but like what happened with the eye? I think that kind yeah, of falls yeah. into that same Oof. category. It's like, yeah, you got to simulate. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, speaking of uh, callbacks, at the end of the episode, we we get the call where Nermit actually has 140 tons of defecant delivered to him. Yeah. Did yeah. Did B69 get that sent to him before he shot himself in the queue? Yes, I think he did. Yeah, I think that maybe have been his may have been his last uh, last request was to uh, he just sent the order off real quick before he did all the dust. That was um, such a perfect moment. <laughs> yeah yeah with his parents on the phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy <laughs> and we find out like c was a sex droid and stuff like that yeah like, yeah speaking oh of was that the first time we found out I that think so. yeah i think that so. was something that it was established that jeremy established a long time before that I um feel maybe like... maybe before we even recorded any episodes i think his idea was that we would we would find that out um, at some point that he had the, all these past jobs before he were, started working for the Alliance. I think it's alluded to because that's one point earlier on it's mentioned that he has a very varied past but I think this is the first time it's explicitly stated. Right, right, yeah. And, and that Bargy did filthy movies but you know. Oh yeah, sure. Oh, she won a Goo Goo Award. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a Goo Goo Award, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Okay, um, episode one, what, uh, 1010 uh, The Worry with Whiffles. So mm. uh, the crew come back from what was ostensibly a successful mission, where the king gave Plek a female whiffle called Poof. Uh, these whiffles reproduce exponentially, but they live a very long time. Uh, this looks like it will be a problem, especially when Plek reveals that he was given a second male whiffle. Um, <laughs> although it turns out that the whiffles are so Plekian that they won't get together. Um, they, the crew places a bet that they won't get together. Plek takes umbrage and determines to get them together. Um, <laughs> despite Plex interfering, the Whiffles jerk. <laughs> mm-hmm, Before it gets mm-hmm. too bad, they take all the Whiffles back to the planet and the crew give Plek the silent treatment until he gives up on trying to collect his winnings. Yeah. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Plek loses again. This is a real anti-Plek episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, one of my... I, uh, at some point, I think it was about this episode where um, I was talking to Justin, who plays Old Durf, who's a good friend of mine. And he was like, "Pleck needs a real win." And I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "He was like, Pleck needs to near the end of the season because I had already planned to get him on the show at that point." But he was like, "Whatever I want, whatever my character is, I want it to be that he endows Pleck with like this real high status thing." Mm-hmm. And that's how that's sort of how Old Durf came to be was that it was he was like he should make him. You know, we talked about there being sort of a philosophy that involves Plek. And part of that was because I think in the middle of the season here, we get Plek down so far in the status ladder that it, we wanted, it would be fun to give him something that oh, yeah. made him feel important. Yeah, you need to break him down um, before you can build him back up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that that, that, makes sense. that cur- curve worked pretty well. I did very much enjoy the sort of subtle gender commentary you had with those pink and blue fluffs there. <laughs> Winston, th- like I just want to, I just want a whiffle who's like perfectly round. <laughs> so gross. He's like a, he's like a MRW poof or a MRW whiffle. Gross. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, but you get it like immediately. He's like an incel, like an incel whiffle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's horrible, but yes. <laughs> I, I that was actually before I think that term was like in the zeitgeist that we recorded yeah. that. So like I don't think we even knew that term at that point, but we definitely would have used it if it had existed at that time. Yeah, but this this actually does bring back the what do a Tellurian and a Florin have in common joke from the third episode from the right. a thousand jokes to laugh at book. I love the one jokes that. to yeah. laugh at. Oh man, so Excellent. learning yeah, some jokes. <laughs> yep. Um, I did wonder you um at the end towards the end of the episode you actually have fan mail as such. C fifty three gets a letter. Yes. Asking, you know, what um why he reads Nermit's full name but not Plex. Was this an actual right. like bit of fan mail you got? Yes, yeah. So we wanted to establish the idea that we were willing to read fan mail on the you know, on the show. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and so we thought, well, even if we do it as a separate, you know, a mailbag episode, mm. um, we should do one or two, you know, or maybe every few episodes we do it, um, just to kind of like show that you know show the listeners like hey if you if you send us an email we'll read it um mm. on the show and uh and yeah so that was a that was a real thing yeah. Yeah, so, so. but then we ended up you know then once we established the patreon we we're like oh that's a perfect thing for patreon because not everybody wants to hear yeah that's us fair. like i do go it. through well and and i really love doing it and i i also really like it you know when other shows do it but i think some people um you know, it, it it is a little bit out of world, and it definitely slows the pace down. Yeah, so we were fair. like, oh, it's kind of a best of both worlds if we have it as a separate thing that isn't isn't tied into an episode, and it's for people who are, you know, and it's for oh, yeah. you know for fans. I, I enjoy know. the mailbag episodes. Yeah, yeah, we enjoy doing them too. Well, it's good. always fun. It's always fun when people call out shit, and <laughs> usually, and usually Jeremy has like an airtight, like just a completely improvised airtight reason for. <laughs> It's anything. so good on coming up with yeah. like legit unshakable yeah, things logistical stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I went to a, a Magic Tavern live show, and they mentioned that how much that the crew relies on the wiki that the fans make. Like yeah. one being like, "Ooh, we that doesn't exist. We got to call that back," and like reminding themselves what they said in like the first season, like you know, first few yeah. like, episodes and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think it helps. Um, definitely helps that Seth and I edit the show. I think if we had external editors, we would rely on other people yeah. a lot. Um, as it is, Seth and Shane and I, who are you know always in the room when we're recording, we've all listened to each episode you know fifteen or twenty times. So yeah, you know, so we we definitely have, and, and there's still stuff that uh, uh, I remember. Uh, Daryl on Discord sent a bunch of questions. Um, that were all like, I was like, oh shit, really, <laughs> like you've been paying attention. Like these are all things that I was like, oh man, we really never followed up up on that. Um, and so I'm glad that people are still, you know, thinking about that stuff because we can only catch so much. And also, there's just stuff that we think we've addressed that we haven't, that we addressed, you know, in a in a scene that we never published, or, or you know, that we just it made sense to us, but it doesn't make sense to the listeners. And so um, I love I love hearing what people the things that stick out to people are the things that don't make sense to people. Cause it's always like, I just, I'm just glad people think about it at all. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you said, I think it was for the, uh, the season two finale that you specifically went back and looked for loose ends to tie off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the thing about what I was saying way earlier about like, you know, if you see those callbacks in a live, live show and really it's just, you know, 
we want the show to feel and to be, um, you know, the same juggling act. We're just throwing the balls way higher. So they come down way, way later. Mm. So like, you know, the, so it's just, it's more impressive. It's like, Oh my God, they, they paid that off, you know, um, call back to the space. And And that was, that was one of the things I really loved was that you guys and like all the discord people, like right before the finale, you guys were kicking around like, stuff that you thought was going to happen in the finale oh god I... uh, or or, qu- or questions about well and and you brandon actually had a lot of things that were pretty close to what we ended up doing <laughs> I, and... I threw out like 50 theories i'm like any of these things or nothing could happen i'm just throwing yeah. out literally everything i can think of but i mean i, I think it's cool because to me that that says something really profound about like the relationship that you guys have with the show and that we have with you guys i mean you guys being listeners um, not the just the two of you uh, although that's great too but um but I think that there's there's a really it's so cool as as a performer as a creator to be like oh the rules that we've set in this universe like point towards the same conclusions for people who are just listening to the show if that makes mm-hmm. sense like like that it that has that it actually has enough structure that like when people talk about what should happen in the finale or what they think is going to happen in the finale that it's like yeah we drew the same conclusions because it feels like a real world yeah. it's not like totally arbitrary shit you know like i think um you know yeah we, we connected th- all the dots that you've sort of dropped here and there yeah well and, and it's and, a logical you know, like conclusion to the finale that that's probably where things are going because it's been yeah so well and, yeah and, and also not only that just from a plot perspective but that also it's like that the characters are consistent enough and the world is consistent enough that like that there are things that would happen, not even just that we dropped hints about them, but just that it's like, it's a logical conclusion that this is what this character would, how this character would react to something or how this character would move the plot forward in a way. Yeah. So yeah, that was really cool. We really loved that that happened. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I think the next episode, it, it's one of the wildest, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Is that hard out here for a blimp? Yep. Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, okay, so here's the synopsis. Nermit calls with a top-secret mission. Uh, the fourth counselor, Runth Suntillion, is lost in the Zenk district, and they have to go rescue him. They meet the overseer, IQQ, who gives Plek the nickname Sugarcane, <laughs> tries to hire Dar, and lets C-53 juck his glory wall. Uh, they find Tillion vomiting and crying, who refuses to leave. They smuggle him out inside of Dar, but they're discovered by IQQ, who shoots them vaguely with his sex gun. He smuggles aboard Bargy, and Bargy ejects him into space. And then they drop off Tillion at Bargy's amusement park son, <laughs> Blimpy. Incredible. Oh, man. Yep. I, one of my favorite moments of the show <laughs> is when Jordan revealed that he had snuck up on, <laughs> snuck on the ship <laughs> with his sex gun. Yeah, that's right. I snuck up on the board, snuck up on the gym with a sex gun. Um, it's just such a funny moment, and um, it's such a perfect like. We would never have thought of that. Like that was only because he was sitting there listening to us do the outro, and thought it would be funny if he would just jump. He would just jump in and be yeah. on the ship. Um, and then Bargy immediately he's like, oh, nope. he's like, Wah! yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Barty that was so funny. Selectively can eject people into space, and that's one thing we pointed out. That like, is it that everyone's just holding on for dear life while this is happening, or is it more like a trap door opens? Uh, I think it's just that the, I think it's just that uh, he was standing near near the door because he had snuck aboard the, he was in the 
docking bay. That's fair. Which is where the door is. And so he comes, he pops out and immediately gets sucked right back yeah. out the door. It happens out. a lot where yeah. one it does, person it is does ejected into space. There, there is um, an episode where C says that, you know, this is another person injected into space that we don't have to report. <laughs> right. No paperwork. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, hmm. So, um, I had a, a sort of very deep lore-ish question I wanted to ask. Ooh, um, is IQQ a Torklick? These are mentioned in episode 107 that because they have ray guns that give you intense pleasure before you're totally vaporized. Ooh. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Uh, we, no, we thought it would I, be like just set to stun, essentially, or something. Yeah. <laughs> he might have a... That might be a Torklick, uh, uh, a Torklick gun that he uh. has purchased illegally uh, on the black oh, market modified or something yeah mm-hmm. no i think i think iqq is a tellurian um mm. but that he yeah I, I i love the idea that it is a it is a illegally purchased torklick ray, ray gun set to stun yeah. <laughs> um i'd i'd imagine that it was just an orgasm machine that he had built somehow but i <laughs> i don't i do think that there's a yeah i love the idea of I totally forgot about the torque. What, what episode is that? One hundred seven. One hundred seven. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, we just yeah, recorded it's, it. It's canon. It's canon now. Yep. Right. We're doing it. <laughs> oh my god! We finally established canon powers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! I love that this is technically their first successful mission without anything going too badly wrong. Yeah, I mean they did extract Tilly and Run. Yeah, yeah, they dropped him off with, without too much trouble. So. Onto uh, Blimpy. <laughs> Blimpy. Yep. The going... illegitimate son of st- Spaceship Spielship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. I do think it's really funny that Mujan is absolutely brilliant at coming up with fake space names. Yeah. <laughs> like, like all of the names she comes up with, none of those are predetermined. Like, Lacrane La- 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 Lacrosse is honestly... Uh, like <laughs> chandelier mind, bidet is one mind, of the ones. Yeah, yeah, chandelier bidet. I uh, like Lacrane Lacrosse. I I couldn't write a better old Hollywood name if I spent all day thinking of it. Like Lacrane <laughs> Lacrosse is the perfect old Hollywood name. Um, and Jim Jenner is like such a yeah. That I feel like that's that. It, it sounds like um, everything uh, feels like it was planned out vaguely. Yeah. And then we're like, who is the father of Blimpy? And she's like, spaceship, spielship. <laughs> we're like, God damn it, Mujan. Oh, boy. She never ceases to surprise. <laughs> she's so funny. Yeah, we're, we're both huge fans of, like, everything Bargy related. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have to be. Yeah. She's so good. In, fa- in fact, that's one of the... Oh, I'm honestly worried about Bargy becoming a star and spending any time away from the crew. That, oh, I yeah. mean, you and me both. Oh boy, and me both. That is a that, we. Yeah, we're we're I was interested. Like, how are to they going to wrap that, that up? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, maybe this me is too. when we're finally going to get to hear some of Bargy's autobiography or one of her self-help books or something. Yeah, mm. I think that might. Yeah, I was really hoping that we there. We have a um, still. We have a Patreon uh, uh, goal, stretch goal that we would do an entire feature length um ship please <laughs> that we would actually record all of ship please um, if that ever happens i w- i will be an extra i swear to god like i will great, have whatever good, voices good. you need 
I will do Foley, whatever you need for that. I love it. Great. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, well, it has to be a story that would get a young Kulata through a tough time in her life. Lots of Duncan uh, references. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting that this was the episode where we established that uh, Rod is a thing, as in Rod Damnitz. Yes. That was that was to all Jordan. He kept saying "God damn," and <laughs> at some point we were like, "God damn right!" And we, uh, and we were like, "Oh, uh, we have actually haven't established what we call like if there is a deity in this galaxy or what we call him." Um, but Rod, he, he'd said yeah. it. He'd say it, he'd said it a couple times, and then he was like, "Oh right, sorry," and then he'd just say like, "Oh shit," or like "Mother Juckers" or whatever, <laughs> and then. Um, at some point he was like, you're goddamn right. And I was like, Oh, uh, no God. And he was like, Oh, uh, you're rod damn right. And we're like, that's really funny. Uh, so we just kept it. <laughs> and then that's just become like the, like the bean, a dumb thing that we've then attached a lot of importance to. I think it would be fun to learn more about some of the theology in the, in the Zix quadrants. Yeah. We have definitely thought of meeting Rod at some point. We were saying earlier that we think, uh, Clint McElroy would be a perfect choice for Rod. Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, here's the other thing. and I'm only saying this because we probably won't do it. Uh, otherwise, I'd keep it to myself. We had talked about... Uh, I'm sorry. We were talking <laughs> oh about how... No, it's it's so dumb. We were talking about the confrontation... Not to spoil the end of season two for your... No, we sure, have but, given... Uh, we always yes. give okay. so many... Uh, but the, we had talked about how it would be really funny if, uh, like what the, I'm trying to think of what the thought process was, but we had talked about the, the confrontation between Plek and Ballwheat and how, um, if that had, I can't, I can't remember how I thought it would come together. I thought it was so funny at the time, but we thought it would be really funny if he had, his wood saber was made of metal. <laughs> uh, and it was it, if Ballweed had a and it was a rod and like it was like a metal rod that he used and that uh, that was like rods and, and that rod was like we established that rod was like the the um like the uh palpatine or whatever of like the not the emperor but like the um old school like master jedi uh, yeah. but of the of the of the whack mm-hmm. and he used a metal a metal wood saber and he never called it a rod but he but he would he was like my metal wood saber and it was obviously a rod but his name was rod i don't know it, it, i was probably like really tired you're, or, you're or on something. a lot of dust right then it's fine yeah i know but there uh anyway so rod is not that, that's not what rod is I will and say, the rod is not the name of the wood saber but so one thing it's so funny i misheard in the first episode when you said something about like a laser pike I heard laser pipe originally, and I was like, how I remember does that you saying work? that. <laughs> well, then again, I heard, it works. I heard warm beam the first time, like oh, as if yeah. it were literally like a oh. beam of light that you could just hold. It was just like, well, that's yeah, warm, like a, but not, you know. It's like, like a sick. lightsaber that doesn't do anything. Yeah. 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 That, I, I like that, too. But like <laughs> the, the laser pipe, I think, oh, it's still such a funny <laughs> concept to me that like, I, I don't know if it's more of like, it's just like a laser that makes the shape of a pipe or like <laughs> that you bash people with or I don't know. That's just reminded yeah. me. Of that. Yeah. I think it's gotta be like a melee weapon. Yeah. That's like uh that's shaped like a pipe. Yeah. Or it's like when um, in video games where you add like an accuracy attachment to it, you just add like a laser sight. 
that's uh, I love it. Yeah, just that you're able to like lo- like aim and then hit somebody on the head with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the only other the only other abandoned piece of canon trivia I'll give you is that we were going to do like I said we were, we were planning to do um, uh, an epi- uh, uh, ship please, and the thing that we thought would be so fun to do that we will never do. Uh, because it would be so much work for literally no reward, <laughs> was that we were going to call Nermit's album Dark Side of the Nerm. Um, and then we were going to make Ship Please, and we were going to have them line up if you played them <gasps> together. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like oh. Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. Mm, oh, my God. Um, amazing. Because here's the thing. If you have all of the characters in... Uh, if you have all the if you have all the characters in Zix, they translate perfectly to Wizard of Oz, because Pleck is the Scarecrow, uh, Bargy would be Dorothy, obviously, because it's her movie. C fifty three is the Tin Man, uh, Dar is the Lion, uh, and I guess Nerm oh Nermit would be Toto. <laughs> uh, but we just thought that would be so funny to do like a Wizard of Oz parody that would then line up with Mandela's <laughs> album but we were like why would we ever put that work that would be insane you guys haven't done uh, so a musical episode yet so no that was the whole thing we were gonna do it that was gonna be the whole i mean yeah. look there is always some space deity who's like do this for me like i'm putting you right. in this world or whatever you know yeah yeah exactly well and then the the rod maybe rod is jeremy crutchley maybe that's who rod is oh my god oh my rod yeah, well, Ooh. think about it. Or Tim Sniffen. Or Tim Sniffen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, episode Where were we? Yes. Twelve. <laughs> uh, jumped by a shark. So, um, Nermit calls, but he's weak from being on restricted rations during his performance review. Um, C fifty three calls a medical team, but it's actually just a group of Clints who then tranquilize Nerm. Um, they go to a planet of sentient moss where the only form of communicating with it is by caressing it uh, they bump into Maganak who works for the regional bank who tries to get them in on his uh, tetrahedron scheme uh, they are interrupted by a literal lone shark with a very short memory called Finifred J. Ryan and Dar fills all of their empty space with croon yeah <laughs> very nice <laughs> I was going to say from the blooper it sounded like you did the like Maganak bit like eight mm. times uh, that is no joke. They literally did it probably eight to ten times. And I I am not joking when I felt like I maybe had died and I was in some sort of matrix loop situation Wait, where the simulation I was in was breaking down. Like, I felt insane. Because not only was I laughing so hard that I was like, my endorphins were going crazy, but also, like, they were still holding it together. And it was like, I, I, felt, I felt insane. It was truly the one of the like trippiest moments and it was so funny i can't believe they held it together for that long but we absolutely did probably trim half of them out because we were like we can't we can't do we can't subject our listeners to this many times it's so funny (laughs) oh boy um mm. so what do you think happened to all that croon that dar stole um we established that she spends it all uh, she invests it in Bitcoin. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, between seasons one and two, yeah. And still, it's crashing. But that would be amusing to have like it come back somehow, and then yeah. I mean, she probably still has it. Maybe, maybe there'll be a Bitcoin boom. Mm. Yep, or, or a resurgence. 
but yeah, that, and then it's just like we're in the croons now, and that's an episode or something. I don't know. But yeah. Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta bring we're in the croons back. Hey, hey. but uh, yeah, no the <laughs> that whole episode is just it's so funny. Like also like the establishing like oh no you're saying you've been saying it wrong the entire time. It is croon and oh, not yeah. croons, like. That was a good example of a thing where, like, uh, Josh just thought of that, like, just said that. And I was like, I love Josh so much. Um, and that's one of the reasons why is he's, he's so confident. He, he can come onto a show that is 10 episodes in and be like, that thing about your canon, it's wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. You know, like, it's such a funny thing to come onto a show that has established its own canon and unmake a part of its canon. Um and and have it at be at plex expense like that's such a funny thing um, and everybody is also jumping on that and being like yeah no we just wanted to make you feel better right right we just did it because you said that because you're an idiot and we didn't want to make you feel bad that's funny because i don't think you guys stick to it so it's still like we don't no, go yeah. right back to it's right regional to it's regional yep the bit croon joke comes back plenty though so yes yes i i think we're reasonably consistent with calling it croon after that we just Sometimes we slip. I up know and call it's it croons, but most of us, most of us do. Um, I thought it was interesting that in the um, the outro to the app, you actually asked people to email you about errors in canon. Was was there a specific reason that you started doing that? No, we just thought it would be. We thought that would be mostly what our emails were. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't a challenge. It was definitely more that we were like, this will be a. a a very popular topic of emails and it has been <laughs> just trying to just get, get in there before it gets too much yeah yeah okay um did you want to go on to the next episode brandon oh sure um so 113 dead subquadrants got talent mm-hmm. uh nerman tries to call with, with their mission but they keep hanging up on him uh they're to go to uh the 92 subquadrant which is supposed to be a dead subquadrant but now there's a planet or something uh, and it ends up being Dodeca Helen. She talks to them telepathically, where she she's apparently seen literally everything except a live talent show, which the crew then put on for her. Uh, so, but she's also been contacting the Council of Seven, who sent Clint to destroy her very unsuccessfully. <laughs> uh, and despite this, Dermot somehow convinces her to join the Federated Alliance. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely we definitely abandoned the idea of of Dodecahillen coming and saving us in the, in one eighteen. Sadly, there was just too many other things happening, but we definitely wanted to bring her back. Well, Dodecahillen is technically part of the Federated Alliance right now, which kind of implies they'd be wor- she'd be working against the rebellion. Right, right. Uh, maybe there's something there, but you know. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we should have brought her back for two twenty. I mean, look, you can't tie up literally everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we can. I will. I will. Make me not do it. Um, Somehow, now that, you know, the stolen Torklick sex gun is going to be crucial to season three. That really is is a brilliant connection. (laughs) We're all about those deep dives. Hmm. Did um, Did you make up all of those talents on the spot? Yes, sadly. Uh, Dar, Dar stole my idea to do a, a dance. 
I, do, um, I love that she's classic. They are classically yeah, trained in, in tap. Darwin. Yeah. Dar- <laughs> yeah. Is that even possible? Can you be classically <laughs> trained in tap? Um, well, at that point, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, in a sure. very far future. But yeah, my whole thing was I was like, I need to do a dance because then, you know, it's, it can be totally open ended. And then uh, Allie did her. Ali did it for Dar, so I was like, "Well, now I have to do something else." But um, I also like how I, I sort of felt pretty good about the trick, and then they all pointed out that I wasn't actually <laughs> doing anything. There was always it was all the bean. Um, but yeah, that was that was totally all made up. We, that was another one that it wasn't really the edit. It was more. I mean, the edit was obviously super helpful, but that was one where we kind of went in being like, "How are we going to do a talent show?" Mm. Like. It's audio and it's improvised. <laughs> was, like this doesn't make sense. Was the talent show but it was part of the pitch. Yes, it was. Strangely enough, that it was uh, that the whole the plot was all pretty much pitched by uh, by Caitlin Puckett, who was like, "I want to be an." I mean, her pitch was basically like, "I'm I'm a um, immortal um, dodecahedron named dodecahelen who is depressed because she's outlived everyone she's ever known, and all she wants to see is a live talent show." Which is like such a specific pitch. We were like, well, we have to do that. Um, yeah, but that was really fun. And it also, uh, intru- was that was that our, our first introduction to Bermit Nundalai? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And and Caitlin established it. She was like, you sing songs in the shower. Is, speaking of, is this where the idea for the Bermaful Nilodies actually came from? Uh, not the album, but that was where, yeah, Bermit Nundalai didn't exist until Caitlin called Nermit out for singing in the shower <laughs> and that was where that whole thing came from but yeah that was all completely n- none of that was established that's at all. wonderful yeah yeah and seth is so good at making up songs like he's not a good singer and the songs are bad but he's so good at doing that very well like he's it's just so funny that's what the bermit the bermit album is hilarious by the way oh, um, I'm so looking forward yeah to it. we're looking forward to it so it's much. all it's pretty much all record i mean it's all recorded there's one track that we might still do um but shane is mixing it right now we have cover art for it it's like so stupid hmm? and it's so funny did seth sort of say that he wanted to do a lot of bad songs or is it just someone who decided to punish him with down the line i think that first one uh i think i mean in this episode it was definitely just Caitlin kind of pimping him into it mm. but i do think that he brought it back several times because he liked doing it so much and then we thought it would be really funny yeah, to just to make it a thing. reward a, oh, a double-edged reward for our listeners like that it's sort of a reward but also a punishment to release a whole album of Burmet songs so good yes um Okay, um, episode uh, 114. Oh, also you skipped over the best part of that episode, oh. which is QB. Oh, God. Mm. And I'm QB. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Wins the talent show, yeah. <laughs> I mean, All right, yes. I digress. No, you can move on. You can move on. QB just steals the show. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> QB is really the proto-Bino, I think. I mean, I suppose just like being like, ha-ha, you know. Yeah. The whole yeah. vibe of QB. Yes. I mean, you probably, we probably should have seen it coming that she was going to join into the talent show. This, uh, it was a surprise to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, why a talent it was a surprise show specifically? To us as well. And then, like, mm. oh, you know. Mm. But yes. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> um, episode 114 There are no second chances. Mm. So, um, they go to the planet uh, Klonk 
<laughs> to meet the entity. <laughs> nice, good pronunciation. Uh, try um, to meet a squirrel. Uh, the planet's actually an academy, um, and the crew turn up during Hollow Day, where Squirrel, the teacher, is taking these kids hollows whilst predicting their futures. Um, it turns out one of these children is known rebel Rolfus Tittle's son, Centurion. This causes C-53 to be overcome by his restraining bolt and try to kill Centurion, whereupon Dar has to dismember and destroy C-53. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So was, I think... Mm. I think I'd seen somewhere where, like... Originally, this is going to end with C killing the kid, right? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. And you re-recorded the ending, Yes. Yeah, we that was how we sort of originally did it. Not that we planned that, but we were we sort of that sort of ended up happening, and we we kind of laughed about it because it was such an un like an unexpected thing. And then I think we took a break or something, and and we just to talk about it. And I was like, we really uh, not me, but like we all we all collectively decided like we can't do that if it was a, if it was a improv show where you weren't ever meeting those characters again it might be kind of fun um because nobody's lives mean anything like it's yeah. all just kind of a mess around it but was it was excessively like, dark I, I would say or it would have been it was very <laughs> dark well and also but we'd only released like four episodes at that point so we kind of weren't really we didn't really know what people were going to think but i was like I, I remember thinking like i think people will care about c53 at this point like i think people will care about all of these characters and and will not want something that brutal to happen even if it's even if we very firmly establish it wasn't c53's fault exactly and so i was like i think this is you know uh we decided it was a perfect opportunity to have dar step in and do something heroic and and also to kind of like um you know to have this thing happen where c53 is freed from his restraining bolt it was such an interesting narrative choice that you went with though because it just opens so many doors yeah yeah um yeah and i i think that uh you know this was definitely late enough in the season that we were like this is sort of the the um first domino in like this is the thing that makes us all realize that that uh the federated alliance alliance is is evil um and that it not only is not a great place to work but is also like truly hell-bent on on domination so we're like uh this is the perfect place for us to kind of start that machine turning um so that we can pay off uh everything in one and it makes sense it i i will also note that like if it's if you could just pop a cube into a new body all the time then the restraining <laughs> bolt is much less useful <clears throat> yes yes <laughs> if it's a physical bolt i don't know i thought that was funny well i also think that they're at the same time though you know we never thought about doing that like i think there's a um there's the assumption that all the other teams are just doing it because they're because they don't care yeah you know what i mean like they that there's no um th- nobody's questioning anyone else's loyalty we're the only ones who are really thinking about it that's fair but uh but yeah you're right the restraining bolt <laughs> if it only applies to the if it only attaches to the body of the droid it's not a great restraining bolt eh, you know uh so yes uh, I think at the end, Bargy mentions something about, like, she won back those croons in a way that may come back to haunt her. Something like that. Mm-hmm. We haven't properly oh, done when, this episode. I don't know. It, when, 
When is that? It's, the... it's very end, yeah. She she just mentions that she she won the croons back because she's all happy. And, <laughs> so. Hey, look, that could be a way to bring her back. There we go. There we go. She had a gambling problem. Yeah. I mean, I I also pitched that Bargy would still join the crew because now she's on a reality show. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Anyways, the. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, the, the, she's on a reality show about ambassadors being or something. Ambassador, that's really funny. Oh God. Anyways, the <laughs> all right. I'm writing it down. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's I. We just are so invested in Bargy that if she does not appear in a single episode, we will be very <laughs> sad. I don't think you have anything to worry about. Though. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> um. So, all right, let's go on to uh, 115, The Space Awakens. Mm. So, C-53's cube has been put into George the Mobile Humidifier. <laughs> Nuret sends them to asteroid 951N in asteroid belt Krinkrin to settle a dispute at the mining colony. When they get there, the locals already know of Plek. They send him to find old Durf, who gives Plek a wood saber and tells him he is in the sacred texts and is destined to unite the space with the Zemanites. When Durf returns with them to Bargy, he explains that the space is made up of fresh and wax sides, and that Nermit Bundeloy is an avatar of the wax side. Durf then jumps into space and completely disappears. <laughs> Such a fun episode. Yeah, the the concept of the space. I mm. personally, I just want to say something like the the way the space is presented as it could very well all be bullshit. <laughs> is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to warn Plek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we still I I think the question on that is still a little bit open. Um yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that even if old Durf uh knows how to use the space, he's enough of a dick that he might not use it for anything good. Like yeah. it's hard to tell what his Yeah, um I'm looking forward to seeing Durf one more time, at least in season oh, yeah. three. It was um, a lot of fun to hear him come back in, that, in another episode. Yeah, two. yeah. <laughs> Speaking, of, <laughs> yeah, and that he's hooking up with with like the pretzel ladies. Um, <laughs> that was my favorite part. And yeah, I'm hooking up. Um, <laughs> you, you haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, you haven't even changed your shorts. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. we oh, because we had an episode about bad ombre. I I have to yeah. mention this to you because it's it's a thing because the only way that we figured that the the so first off the the clints wore heels but we were not sure if they were built into the body armor or just like they put a heel on like a combat boot yeah i think that the second one (laughs) (laughs) and also the the shirts are now thin strips two thin strips which i was originally like oh they're like suspenders that just cover you know chest mm. but like then right. someone else brought up like no it makes more sense for them to just be like pasties i was picturing <laughs> picturing lilu dallas in that moment so <laughs> yeah Oof. yeah i think they're yeah I, I i've tried not to think about i've tried not to envision those too much but i think you're probably right <laughs> and also the the real question is like is plex still wearing those shorts from that mission like uh, the way really too short shorts. I, I I think that he's not. I think too many people would comment on it. I, I think I think we've had. I think too few people have commented on it for that to be true. I think that he has 
Uh, yeah, Regular I think he shorts. he probably changed back into his, his old shorts. You're breaking Emily's heart, they... you know. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm sure. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe he is. The other thing is, I mean, nobody tends to comment on anything uh, weird except Plex, so maybe he is wearing those shorts and everybody thinks it's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I <laughs> in in the in the Jeff Hiller episode, we definitely established that his version are like hot pants, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of discussion in the Discord about those booty shorts. So. Point yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of merch requests, which very surprising to me. <laughs> I mean, welcome to welcome to Night Vale. Have, have booty shorts, so you know why not Zix? So. Oh, okay, all right, sure. <laughs> um, I was wondering. It's mentioned that um, C fifty three fifty three uh, droid frame before it was destroyed did have guns. Um, were those the spare part guns from the B sixty nine four twenty? No, I think the guns were built into his frame okay. and hidden. As like an okay. emergency, so I think it was, like, if you see a rebel something. Right, exactly. Like, I don't think, I don't even think he knew they were there. Okay, interesting. I think it was like, it was a it was a frame built to look like a regular C frame, but that was outfitted with, like, yeah, like you said, like emergency deployable guns to kill yeah. rebels. Hmm. Makes sense. Um, so... You mentioned that you'd, you'd um, talked to Justin about um, this good episode for Plek, so you know, have mm. a feel-good episode for Plek. How much of um, what Justin came up with did you think you'd use later on? Uh, you mean in further episodes? Yeah, the, the space and the, the whack. And- we, we left it totally up to him. I mean, I think um, he had pitched the idea that it was, that he was, I mean, the whole idea was like, if, if Plek is a shitty Luke Skywalker, then Justin is a a shitty obi-wan kenobi so like everything about yeah everything about the force is just like a little everything about the space is just a little shittier than the force and like you said that it's like maybe not real but maybe it is um but yeah all of that stuff that was pretty much all we talked about um justin is very very funny and very good at stuff he's also like a diehard star wars fan and like he and i have been improvising together for longer than anybody um he and i started working together in 2005 um, and so, and we host a show together in New York and like we, we, we work a lot together. So that was one of the reasons why it was one of the first episodes where, um, it was, we sort of split off where it was just like, just me and Durf talking. Mm. And then the other, uh, the other crew members went and did their own thing. Um, cause we just wanted to get some like one-on-one time. Like that was kind of the shitty, the shitty version of that first scene where Obi-Wan gives Luke the lightsaber. Mm. Yeah. Did, did you decide that this was all plot that you were going to, to make use of later on? Well, I mean, I think I had kind of envisioned it as, wouldn't it be funny if he had this, if Plek had this huge thing that was actually true and actually important, like sitting on his shoulders for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, didn't really know what to make of it. And like, just because of who Plek is and because of who Justin made old Durf into. And like, also there were a lot of, you know, the other crew would jump in with like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's not real. He's a, he's a scam artist. Like it kind of undermined that a little bit, but I actually think it worked out for the best because what ended up happening was that it kind of undercut all of it to make everything just a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. Um, and so now we can kind of do what, do whatever we want yeah, with it. That's fair. Yeah. You can go any number of directions. And I really like how, you know, I mean, Plek does hear Durf's voice before he even meets him. Mm. So, there's something yeah. there. He just disappears. But into it space. might, yeah. 
but it's definitely also shitty, whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be smoke and mirrors somehow. It, it could exist, but not be that great or something. Right. I think that that's probably more likely. Because, like, that's the other thing. Since they've met so many people who are genuinely important, like, um, and every time they mention the space, those people are like, huh, all right, well, good luck. You know, none of them are <laughs> like, impressed sure, at all. <laughs> yeah, sure. G- good luck with that. <laughs> They don't doubt him. They don't disbelieve him. They just don't care. <laughs> so I think that says something. I think the next episode is one of my favorites. Um, one, mm. 116, X Mars in Chimney. The reason for the season. Yes. The yeah. season. Oof. Okay, so it's X Mars. Um, and as the lowest ranked team, they are sent on a mission to Chimnasia to find the true meaning of X Mars. Um, C53's cube is put into an urchin bot. They meet Rip Ciso. <laughs> who explains that the beast inside the planet will die if they don't clean out these chimnoids. Um, Rip ends up telling them the story of uh, Ordolono Squeege and Farty the Red-Nosed Slezak. <laughs> uh, the crew learns that the true meaning of x was survival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I apologize to you, Becca, as an actual Brit, for having to listen to all of those accents. Uh, I've heard worse, but... Um... Not much worse. <laughs> uh, although I will say my f- one of my favorite parts of the whole episode is is Seth's terrible, terrible accent. He's like, I'm big. And we're like, what part of the planet are you from? <laughs> are you broken? And it also just felt really good to shit on someone who wasn't plucked for a while. Like, to be like, that's a terrible accent. Uh, but yeah, funny. I was going to say, the. I think you guys mentioned, I think in one of the previous episodes, Advent calendars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were wondering why that didn't make an appearance back here. Oh, wow, you're right, yeah. Because uh, like a dangerous Allie, Advent Allie, calendar was the, you know... Yeah, Ali introduces a lot of earthy stuff that i that i think we kind of uh we gloss over but uh but yeah you're right we should be we should be more on top of that well sure. maybe next year we can go to Juntawaka or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah also we need to we need to have an ascension episode Ooh. because there's a they establish that ascension happens 12 days after x mars where people start to ascend i do yeah maybe that's just people get drunk and then fall into space but you know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> they try to like re- um, return all their gifts, but they a lot of them just end up floating into space because they all right. are leaning the planet too far or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's good. That's good. Yeah. No, I think we can uh we can work with that for sure. <laughs> um I mean Ascension is it's got to be I mean, it's got to be sort of a New Year's uh, esque uh, but more uh, more mystical I think makes sense but it's a it's a time to get drunk and count down probably damn right um, that's what the real yeah, that, meaning of x <laughs> yeah thank you I do really th- this was also one of my uh, one of my favorites to record I think it was a crew favorite overall <laughs> this one just because it was such a just because Paul is like the nicest funniest dude and he just it's it has such a different feel to the rest of the show because we're not doing a mission we're just kind of like sitting Finding around in a circle and like listening to it listening to stories which is so fun um and but there's uh, still like plenty of like falling into space and all that kind of stuff so right. you know right well and c53 is in a like a new frame which is the first time uh, well he's in the uh, humidifier but he, he actually is able to come come with us as a different 
a different. It's like, why do you have that accent? I don't know the vocal modulators. (laughs) It must be must be (laughs) built into the frame, I suppose. Yeah, Um, yeah. There's a lot of really fun stuff, and that one was. uh, I I gotta say, I think the one of my favorite parts of that episode is just like, I didn't expect Paul to be so, um, like, invest like he he was constantly just like cracking up at everything. And like, we had to edit out a lot of his laughter, which I was like, that was so nice that he liked that, that liked playing with us so much. I don't know. It was just a really interesting, most of the guests on our show are people that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, through the UCB community, like we have a lot, like Sashir was on a team with, um, with Jeremy and, and um, you know, all of the people on Jeremy and Seth's team have done the show. Justin and I work together, but like, you know, even, um, you know, Bobby Moynihan, like we all came up together at UCB before he got onto SNL. And, and so like, we knew him, we weren't, you know, close, but like Paul was one of the few people who've done the show who like, we did not know at all mm-hmm. who we were like, let's ask him and see if he will be willing to do it. There's no reason he will, <laughs> but like, maybe he will, maybe he'll be up for it. And he did. And it was, it was like such a, I don't know. It's such a totally different experience. Cause, um, it was the it was the only episode we've ever done where we're like we don't know this guy and we like his work and hopefully he'll like our show and so that was a really really interesting experience for us. You can't call yourself a podcast until you've had Paul F. Tompkins on. So. I mean that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. <laughs> I thought it was interesting at the end though that Nermit wasn't more freaked out when he saw that C was inside an urchin bot. Yeah, we definitely kind of caught ourselves being like we had to remind ourselves like he doesn't know what happened at all. Yeah. I mean, um, he sees it and then just glosses onto the next thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, well, yeah. fast. Well, he does the same thing when, when C 53 is in the, in the fireplace yeah. well, he only, uh, he at only, the top of the episode, he's in the fireplace. You had yeah. a good explanation for about that though. Well, yeah. Nermit yeah. didn't know that the restraining bolt was, I think he just doesn't understand how restraining bolts work also partially. Right. Yeah, so he knows paperwork. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's. I feel like he reads the rules, but sometimes doesn't read between the lines. Yeah, yeah. So you probably <laughs> think, oh, yeah, no, he's that's definitely. Not a problem. Yeah, he's got a lot of avoidance issues. He's got blinders about things he doesn't want to know about. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like his promotion in one eighteen. <laughs> yep. Well, let's speed along towards that. Um, yeah. All right. So one seventeen, the one with the council of seven. All right. Oof. Opening on a meeting of the Council of Seven, we learn that six of them are actually conspiring behind Councillor Bolwheat's back, and if he found out, it would be the dissolution of the Alliance. They're planning to slaughter the Zuma bean farmers in order to drive the price of beans up, as well as being dedicated to destroying the Rebellion, locating in the Zix Quadrant of the Tremillion Sector. When the Councillors look into the Ambassador crew they've deployed there, they decide that they must be the key to the Rebellion because they've been <laughs> doing so badly. <laughs> instead of destroying the Bargerian Jade with a bomb they secretly hid on her they decide to see if she leads them right to the rebellion mm. I mm. really enjoyed the different the different feel to this episode yeah it was definitely a big change for us because it almost felt like you know a little bit kind of like the hardest version of what we were doing because we were playing brand new characters in an established world mm. Yeah. Um, if we had just been doing a totally different improv set, that would have been fine. You know, I mean, every improv set is different from the last, but um, yeah, this one was sort of hard because we had to play characters that didn't really exist, but that were really important to the world that we'd built that did exist. Yeah. So 
yeah, that one was a tough one. Um, but it was really fun. It was also just like a chance, like we'd never get a chance to all six, all six of us just improvise at each other for half an hour. And so that one was really fun. Mm. Yeah. Well, and we, we also like the idea that it's, you know, we definitely set up this big thing um, and just totally, you know, held people off for one episode before we got back to the, the main plot. Well, I mean, that sort of happened in, uh, I, I will say like that, that's a pattern that you revived in season two. Essentially. Yes. And I, I think we're going to keep that. We like that idea. Good. It was a good sort of like format callback as such. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 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 We yeah. agree. To be like, let's explore some extra characters in this world. And you know, yeah, people we've heard about but don't really know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, and I think in the in season two is even more of a like, why are you talking about these people? <laughs> get them out of here, and get back to the people I care about. No, I mean, look, it took me a couple listens, but after Tiny Tooth Adventures, I'm like, Chuck, I wanted to hear more of that. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's going to take a lot more than than crashing into a planet, like park, <laughs> park an anorak. So, yeah, you know. I think we'll see them again. Park and anorak. Yeah. Relentlessly oh, asexual. Relentlessly so asexual. So good. Okay, we can't talk about this episode without talking about the actual Friends reference. Yeah. That I didn't get this at all until nope, someone had screenshotted the wiki and posted it, I think, to Twitter with all of the Friends names. And it was like, oh my god, how did I not get that? Even with uh, yeah, yeah. Ali reading the name, she really put the emphasis on those first names in the credit sequence, <laughs> and I still didn't get it at the time. Yeah, I don't know why we thought that was so funny, but I mean, it's just it is such a little like a delayed like bomb almost. Yeah. Like, well, I I figured that the title of the episode would tip people off because that's a every Friends episode is called the one with blank. I didn't even connect that. Oh, yeah. Oh my god, all these Easter eggs, Alden. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. We we are you're operating on a way higher level than apparently I was. <laughs> a way higher level of friends references? Yes. That's a that's a title I don't want. You take that you take that mantle someplace else. Okay. You take that back. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah, interestingly we learn that the uh, Clints were created based on a blueprint from Rolfus Tiddle. Yeah. Did you yeah. did you plan on having the Clints at some point defect to the rebellion? Uh, no. I think our idea was that we wanted to make Rolfus Tittle more important, and so we made him be a defected okay. military fair. general who um they stole his DNA and made super soldiers out of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And I will yeah. say, like, somebody mentioned that, like... Because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and, and, yeah, and we say that in the episode that we made sure to make the Clints much dumber so that they wouldn't def- they wouldn't risk defecting. Yeah, that they're just, like, the perfect soldiers of, like, you, you, the military can't take over because they're way too dumb and have so much animosity <laughs> yeah. for each other. Like, no Clint will be yeah. like, follow me now. They'd be like, no, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd sort of wondered, like, maybe if they met Rolfus Tid and was like, oh my god, this is our new god, let's follow him. (laughs) I feel like they'd hate him just as much as themselves. Oh, that's true, he's got a very punchable face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the... (laughs) So... I think you mentioned something about like how the the Council of Seven were supposed to be the sort of leaders of the original rebellion against the monarchy. Mm-hmm. That was that pretty much what you guys were thinking the entire time, and then they just like were like, and we're corrupt now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the idea was just that they that uh, our whole idea at the very beginning of the show was that this takes place after the return of the Jedi of this world. <laughs> that like that like the rebels win, everybody's happy, and like now what? Yeah. So the idea is that all the rebel leaders get together and form their own government, but that they're actually, you know, they don't have good intentions um, or that they corrupt, they become corrupt at some point. But um, we haven't ever dug into what that story actually was, but uh, maybe we will at some point. I mean, you could have a a flashback episode as the second to last of season three or something, you know? Yeah. That'll be 319 is our, is our, Council of Seven getting together. Well, related to that, the, it's mentioned at different points that the, there's like the, the fourth best friend, the sixth best friend. Are, are that actually rank, or is it related to something else? <laughs> oh. like quadrants, or yeah, we do talk about that. I, I don't. I, we sort of abandoned that, but I think that was the idea that they they are they're always um, shown in the same order. Or they're always like that makes sense. Uh, listed as. Um, I don't think that they're listed in an order based on their importance. I think they're just like. Uh, who went first? Who, you know. Yeah, or they're always on the poster in a in a specific order or whatever. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why. Uh, I'm not sure how we envision that taking shape. <laughs> but yeah, I think like Trink is like the fourth best friend or something like that. Yeah, but no, we we sort of abandoned that once we actually put names and faces to them. Okay. And we come to the actual season finale, the Delegator. Mm. One eighteen. Oof, so, uh, Nermit gets a promotion. Nermit gets a promotion. Um, he's getting promoted to Senior Missions Operations Manager. Uh, but the crew realise this is actually a ruse in order to execute Nermit. Uh, they go directly to the Delegate to try and save him. Uh, they join a Clint-guided tour of the sub-basements, manage to slip away and find Nermit's cell, but whilst they're smuggling him out inside Dar's flaps, they're discovered by some Clint's. Dar shoots them all while Plek flails with his wood saber. Uh, they then or have... does he? Um, he does. Yeah. Just distracting uh, enough. <laughs> <laughs> they then run into a group of enforcer droids, but it turns out C-53 has hijacked one of them and saves them. Uh, Wink and Sammo turn up, uh, save him from Commander Voltor by eating his face, and then explain that they've removed the bomb from Bargy and stashed it on the Delegator, so as soon as they leave, the bomb will explode. After they escape, uh, Wink and Samo call them to let them know that uh, they're not being blamed for it. It was all Tiny Toots and Turk Mannequin. <laughs> Lucky them. Oof. Oh. <laughs> so, the finale. Did you... Yeah. You sort of knew where this was going, right? But, like, how much of this... Was it the same kind of thing where, like, with a season two finale, you'd scripted a substantially larger portion of it? Yeah, I mean, I think for us... I mean... We we've never actually scripted anything well, outside scripted, of the, but yeah yeah no but I mean yeah the, the the both the finale for season two and this finale for season one sort of did the same thing where we we kind of took stock of like okay here are the things we here are the things that the plot of the show is kind of leading towards that we kind of have to do hmm. like you know for one eighteen it was like well the council is established they're going to kill everyone on barge they're going to destroy barge and the crew and they're going to kill Nermit Bondeloy so like that's going to happen whether we, you know, we have to address that what, no matter what else happens. But then there's also the, um, then there's this sort of secondary list of like, what are the things that we've established throughout the season, throughout the season that we think would be fun? Like we had the running joke internally that like it would be funny if Sam and Wink were operatives. <laughs> but then we also had like, we had the thing about the space and like the idea that like, you know, Plek um, thinks that he's, 
invincible or that he's powerful in some way or that he has like you know some sort of talent that he hasn't really actually put any work in to uh cultivating but then also like we had this thing where you know Allie and I were talking in the last few weeks of the recording sessions and we were talking about like it would be nice to have a, a moment between Dar and Pleck where she admits that he's not terrible um, because part. we kind of had there was kind of a level of animosity between like uh, between Dar and, and Pleck yeah. that I didn't feel super comfortable with and, and neither did Allie and like it was the kind of thing where I think it made for a lot of funny moments but I was like this is a perfect opportunity for us to kind of like close that loop a little bit so we really feel like they have a good relation or a good enough relationship that that ultimately when they're when they're all free of the alliance that they actually stay together as a crew yeah. um, and it, that it makes sense because you know if they had broken up 10 episodes in dar probably would have gone off and gone back to smuggling or whatever yeah so i like the idea that you know that we we all sort of decided to to kind of make everybody good enough friends that we believed that they were still hanging out they meshed well when, we le- when we met back up with them yeah. yeah in season two so there were a couple things like that we also were like uh you know we decided that we all decided that we should have uh, you know, rather than having a separate scene where Nermit's going through this thing, we're like, oh, we need to go save Nermit so all of them can be together. We'll pick up Nermit so we're all together at the end of the season. Um, so it was just kind of like, a, you know, kind of following all those threads and being like, what's the logical way to do it? But, you know, we went into it being like, let's make sure to have plenty of unstructured, like the character of Voltor, sure. like the idea that the Clint took... Um, uh, took us on a tour of the delegator <laughs> um and then it was like the cool the alpha tour not the beta tour like that's all winston like yeah. just all really um all stuff that we didn't plan out at all that was just you know connective tissue from us getting to the delegator to us meeting up with nermit so um and uh yeah so we you know we we had these sort of beats and these kind of like this kind of check uh checklist of things that we knew we kind of wanted to do and then while maximizing the opportunity to kind of fill in with stuff that was brand new that we hadn't thought of. And so I think we, uh, I think we struck that balance pretty well. And now in season with the season two finale, there was an even longer list, obviously, because it <laughs> yeah. had an additional 20 episodes. So it was a longer list and it ended up being slightly less structured, but also that was due to the fact that we just had a much clearer idea of there was a pretty narrow path to walk to get out of the situation we were in. Um, at the end of season two. And so we ended up determining a little bit more of what was going to happen in that one. And um, so I think that was sort of necessary, but hopefully we've closed enough threads that um, next season we can go back to not having very much planned out. (laughs) A a lot of callbacks resolve themselves and such. So yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And uh I think um I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say about that one. Um we definitely we definitely did not know what we were going to do in season 2 at that point at all. Okay. Um and we didn't know anything we didn't have anything established about Bino or anything like that. We and so kind of that was one of the other things was we were like we kind of played around with the bean. Um and we were like, well, let's have the bean hatch and then that's a question for the audience and it's also a question for us. It gives us something to think about how we're going to address that. And what the bean, what the bean, yeah, it's and and and, yeah, I think we we tried to make sure that it was a, it was a cliffhanger that was exciting, but that wasn't didn't feel like the first season didn't 
actually close itself. Yeah, I will say, like, for what happened in the season, like, it was a fairly minor point. Like, until until Bino becomes the most important thing. Like, right. And it, yeah, and, and, yeah, I think, um, you know, we wanted it to be like, uh oh, what's going to happen with that? But not something where it's like, oh, I've been listening this whole season and they never, they never figured what this would be. You know, Um, they never answered this question. We wanted to answer all the all of the actual season one's questions and leave with a cliffhanger that was stupid but maybe interesting. Mm. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Whew, we did it. We did it. Yeah. But by the way, what is your favorite episode from yeah. season one? From season one, I think probably either Gert Milk. Uh, I think it's a three-way three-way tie between Gert Milk, um, the old Durf episode, and X Mars and Chimnasia. Those are. It would be pretty hard for me to choose between those three. That's fair. Yeah. Um, if I had to choose, eh, I'm not going. Yeah, to. They're all. Re- they're yeah, all really fun. They they all represent totally different. Like what I think are like successes of the show. Like I think. Um, Gert Milk was the the first one where I've all felt like we were really playing with each other as improvisers as opposed to just playing our characters. Mm. That's the first one where we were really playing with like the 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 Orange Beard game is such a is such a like is such a Seth um like Seth giving me a hard time, Seth giving Alden a hard time. Um and not uh Nermit or a, a Seth character giving Plek a hard time. Like it really was like he knew me well enough to know how to pull my, like, like to push oh, my buttons in that scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, um, and so that was really fun. That's the kind of thing that like, uh, if you see a good improv team, like they do stuff like that all the time where you can tell that they're, they're one step ahead of each other, which is really always really fun to see. And then the, the Chimnasia one I just thought was really fun just cause it was such a long term goal of all of ours to, to work with Paul. And then, uh, the Durf episode was just fun because I'd been working with Justin for so long that it was it was fun to get him on the show and have him bring in a brand new like crazy world specific. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm very fond of all of the episodes, but I think those are the three in season one that are my favorite. Yeah. Have you have you guys talked about who your dream get would be if you could have literally anybody come on? Um, we have a lot, but uh, I will say I will probably keep it to ourselves because some of them we might actually get. Ooh. Yeah. So we should. So guess there's a couple of. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're welcome to. Um, no. I, I mean, I think you know most of the people we'd really like to get on. I, the, I would say. I will say that the people we have really talked about that we'd love to have on that we probably will not have on. Um, I would say Patrick Stewart and Mark Hamill are the two oh, people well, that yeah. I would love to have Those on the are show. Obviously yeah. Like, oh probably my are going to be a little more difficult. But most <laughs> of the comedy people that we've talked about are people that I think in the next season or two could potentially, you know, we could potentially get on the show. Yeah. But we'll see. Okay, so you're saying yeah. that we need to start a petition to get Mark Hamill. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm in. I'll sign it. <laughs> yeah, no, the there's a lot of like amazing like a lot of podcast crossover, I will say, that that would be mm-hmm. really great that I'm thinking of. Like uh, I was gonna say like Jason Manzukis is one of the ones that comes to mind that would be like Yeah, he's high on our list yeah. for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways. Um yeah, a lot of a lot of LA people who um, you know, 
just the bigger the show gets and the longer it goes and the more people and their friends and agents can say, hey, this is a real show. It's not yeah, not sure. a brand new show with no listenership. You know, like that was the thing that I think. Look, they have a fan you know, cast like, I don't, and everything. I, no. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, it, it's like, yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, for example, Bobby Moynihan, like we could have emailed him in the first season, but we didn't because we were like, you know, he, we know him a little bit, but it's like all of his friends have podcasts. He's not going to do all of his friends' podcasts, let alone ours. So we were like, let's wait until we can say, look, this exists. You know, we went through his agent. We were like, hey, we're friends of his from UCB, but like, just so you know, this is a real thing. And so that was helpful. So I think the more we do that, the you know, the, the longer the show goes on, the more we can, we can, uh, uh, you know, we can continue to, to have connections like that. But <clears throat> it's always, you know, it's always scheduling and logistics for everybody. So. Cool. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah. That was so yeah. Thanks much for, fun. thanks for letting me talk your ear off guys. That This was really fun. Yeah. And um, this it's is so nice having... to make time for us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know we, we went a bit over time. <laughs> no worries. There's a no good worries. chance that's I got to split this into a two parter or something. But like... that's good. No, do it. It'll, it'll be a nice, it'll be, uh, yeah. I think it'll be a good two parter. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. Um, anything else you guys want to discuss or. Oh, there are hundreds more questions we could ask you, but we, it's been <laughs> nearly three hours. We need to let you go. Yes. <laughs> um, well, if. Yeah, if you have any follow-ups, let me know, and we can, you know, um, we can go from there. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know if you wanted me to do, to to tackle anything else for this version. Well, uh, what we would like you to do is plug anything else you want us to tell people about. Mm. Oh boy, um, that's a good question. Uh, no, I don't. I don't really think there is. I, uh, I, I'm in. I'm in hiatus right now. We just. I just had a kid, which is uh, exciting yeah. and awesome. I'm trying to lay low between the two seasons. That's and fair. So. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna plug season three when it's ready, which is gonna be very soon. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you'll let us know as soon. And as I'm, a... I'm gonna try to relax between now and then. That's let us know fair. as soon as Bermaful Nelodies has a release date. Yes, I'm gonna plug Bermaful <laughs> <Nelodies> <laughs> the next hit album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thanks so much for having me guys. This was really Thank fun. Thank you that for was, coming. It was a delight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have a good night guys. And thanks for staying up, Becca. I'm sure it's what very late your time now. It's only 11 PM. It's fine. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh, uh, let's, right. let's do our, I guess let's do our social media real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are the, the Zix fancast on, uh, Twitter and Facebook and all these places. Um, yeah. And you know, Find us, talk to us. We have a, a Patreon server. Well, we have a Patreon. That's not. We have a Discord server. That's in general. Do please join us. And uh, join us, won't you? Join us. And uh, all hail the Federated Alliance. Toot toot toot. Toot toot. Toot toot toot. So that's it. Come back next week for the second part of our season one synopsis show to hear Alden answer a whole bunch more questions. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at, at @zixfancast, or you can email us at zixfancast at gmail dot com. Toot toot toot. Happy Xmas. Toot toot toot. Cool. All right, I wasn't even trying to be bargy. I kind of just slipped into it. Yeah, it's 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 too easy to just to just go into a bargy voice. Toot toot toot.
Toot, toot, toot.